So I get to preach today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do not know what you're getting into, Pastor Jordan. So all kidding aside, I'm beyond honored that Pastor Jordan, who's also like my best friend, but he's also my pastor and my leader that I get to support and, and, and be an armor bearer for, that he would ask me to preach and that he would trust me to preach today. It's a big deal. This, this church is my home, and you all are my family. So it's both that huge responsibility and a huge honor to be sharing this message. And it's about truly knowing Jesus. So before we go any, any further, I'm nervous, so let's pray. Jesus, I know that you are good, and I know that it's good to be able to smile and to laugh in your presence and to watch people be healed in the name of Jesus. And God, you've put this message on my heart for today, and I don't think it's a coincidence. So I simply ask that your authority and your anointing would be all over me today, and every person in here, that there would be a spirit-to-spirit connection that it would be your words coming out of my mouth and heard by everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was praying, as I was seeking God about what to share today, and as I talked to friends and family, which, by the way, I'm going to do right off the bat a Pastor Jordan rabbit trail here. Um, the camera people, you are going to love me today. Pastor Jordan... Wait, I'll, I'll do be good. Pastor Jordan goes all over the place, and I love, if you ever want to have some entertainment, watch the camera people, which is Ruth today. Try to follow on the camera. So I'll try to be good. I'll try to stay right here, Ruth, okay? And that's in love. I love Pastor Jordan, obviously. So as I was praying about what to preach about, and, and, and I was asking people, I'd, I'd ask some of you in this room, uh, what kind of, what, what you're going through, what you'd like to hear about. And the thing that keeps coming up is knowing how to process what God is saying. So basically, there's a consistent theme that Christians know that God is speaking to them, either through prayers, dreams, your Bible study, or prophetic word. But there's a struggle with how to proceed or what to do with what he's saying. Does that make sense? There's a deep belief in who God is, but a struggle with what it means to truly do what he's asking of us. The response to that. Uh, I'm just going to warn you, it might be convicting. <laughs> I know it has been for me personally. So I'm asking today that all of us, every single one of us, would be prepared to give Jesus our yes to truly know the Father. This is a message for every single person. It, it doesn't matter whether you are a pastor or been in leadership or this is your first time in church. At the end of the service, we're going to have an intentional time of ministry. I'm just preparing you right now. We're going to have an intentional time of ministry to hear God's voice, okay, to receive a word from him. But this message has more to do with how you will respond to what he says during that time. I hope that makes sense. I want to explain it another way. Many of the prophetic words hearing directly from God or guidance in my life has happened in a church service or on a Sunday morning. And for a long time, I struggled with what it meant to obey and not just hear the word. You guys have heard this scripture, I'm sure. We'll read it in a little bit. But the Bible says that we must be doers, not just hearers of the word. So what does that mean if it's not just following orders? 
There's definitely specific guidelines. So don't hear what I'm not saying. There's definitely specific moral guidelines that the Bible gives about what is sinful and what's not, like sexual sin or gossip. There's endless examples, and I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about, right? But Jesus wants relationship, not rule followers. Parents, which is kind of cool that this morning a lot of it was about parents already. And I didn't put two and two together. I guess that's how the Holy Spirit works. But think of it this way. We want our children to follow the guidelines or rules we've put in their life, right? Right? Aubrey and Cadence are in here like, yes, we know that you want us to follow those. But I want my children to follow those guidelines because they know I love them so much and I want to protect them. I want to spend time with my kids and I want to truly, I want them to truly know me as their dad. Amen? Then their response to obeying me isn't out of fear or messing up, but out of a true knowledge that their dad knows them and loves them and wants the best for them. It's the same with God. He doesn't want us to hear his voice and then just go out and do the things he said. See, here's the trap. He does want us to obey. Remember, don't hear what I'm not saying. He wants us to obey. It's all about obedience. But he wants to partner with us as we obey him. It was only when I truly gave him my first fruits of my life, the first fruits, just like tithe, my entire life, that I started to see those words fulfilled over my life. The realization that Jesus doesn't just want me to follow rules. He wants to know his child. He wants to know me, his son. In the end, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, because he's God, right? He's God. He can do anything. So his word will happen, but I think it's absolutely stunning it's crazy that the God who created everything, he created the heavens and the earth, he created literally everything, he wants to know us and to partner with us. Do you know how insane that is? Like as Christians, we get kind of used to hearing the, the, hearing the talk, right? And it becomes normal to us. Do you know how crazy it is? He can literally do anything, but he wants more than anything else to know you. You. He wants to intimately know you. And that requires a response on our part. We can so easily get distracted trying to figure out a word or what he wants, right? Anybody here, ever, or is it just me that struggles? You hear something really clear in your prayer time. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, right? There's a lot of us. We, we hear from God, but we don't know what to do with it. So what does that look like? It's important that biblically we set the stage today, okay? Believing and knowing or responding are two different things. I'm going to read some scriptures. A couple of them are going to be on the screen. These are all out of the Passion Translation, okay? So this is where we're, enforce, we're reaffirming that there's a difference in just believing the word and responding and doing what he says, Right? James 2, 19 and 20 says, you can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this, and they tremble with fear before him, yet they are unchanged. They remain demons. Do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? Means, do you need any other evidence that demons are obviously not going to heaven, right? They're demons, 
but they believe, they believe. So there has to be some response that separates us from that, right? James 1, 22 to 25 says this, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. And finally, one more scripture, John 17, 3, says this, eternal life means to know and experience you as the one true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son who you sent. So that's his word, right? It's clear. So here's the catch. It would be easy to respond to this and immediately say that our obedience to the law is only in our moral response, like the way we live, we vote, on and on, right? And that's absolutely, definitely, 100% part of it. But I want to challenge myself and I want to challenge all of us today that those responses are to be a direct, natural reflection of knowing Jesus intimately. Amen? Not just Sunday mornings or because we don't want to be punished, but because we know him so well that our obedience to those laws just becomes second nature because we are that intimately connected with the King of Kings. Our busy American 2022 response and this is what we got to watch, is to just quickly adjust to be in compliance, right? What do we have to do to be in compliance? But by doing that, we fall into the, our society's trap of quick, hurried fixes instead of that deep, true inner healing. Does anybody else besides me want true, deep inner healing this morning? Amen. There are a ton of different things that make us who we are. For instance, some of you, especially if you're new to this church, only know me because of my role here. So that shapes your perspective of me, right? If you only see me as the worship leader here on Sunday mornings, then you only see a tiny glimpse of my life. It's an important, true part of my life, but it is only like 1% of my life that you see. When we watch a movie... Oh, when I see all of your perfect lives on social media, right? Oh, man. I'm only getting a glimpse, right? It's true. It's a part of who you are, but it's just a glimpse. Anybody, uh, Tabitha, can you raise your hand? Everybody I mentioned today, I have permission to mention them, okay? So, Tab, can you raise your hand? Everybody know my wife, Tabitha? Does anybody follow Tabitha on Facebook? Oh, man. Anybody follow the tab on Facebook? Come on. Oh, man. Then you know, you know 100% that our house is absolutely spotlessly clean 100% of the time. She cooks the most amazing meals. There's absolutely no mess when she cooks the meals because the meals are perfect, perfect lighting, perfect lighting, right, Paul? You know what I'm talking about? You feeling me on this? 
There is perfect lighting. Like, she cooks this meal, and then you see on Facebook this, oh, man. And all of that, don't even act like you don't know what I'm talking about, because many of you have asked for those recipes, and like, man, I just wish I lived at your house. Some of you have even asked for us to adopt you. Right? Our children never argue, and our house is absolutely perfect 100% of the time. So... Obviously, I'm being funny. I'm attempting to be funny. Some of you aren't laughing, but I'm attempting to be funny. But it's true that you only see part of the picture. True, you don't see the mess, but you also don't see the amazing teacher that my wife is. Or that every single night, every night when I go to bed, she's reading the Bible. Every night. She's already there reading the Bible every night. You don't know the context of it being an absolute miracle that we have children because we were told by doctors that it was impossible and we went through almost eight years of marriage wanting children desperately and we couldn't have any. It's a miracle. You don't know any of the marriage struggles or the financial pain or literally anything except what you saw in two minutes scrolling on Facebook, right? It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. So again, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not a bad thing. It just means that you don't really know her from what you see on Facebook. You're just getting a glimpse. If you spend Sunday morning with Jesus at church, and that is the extent of your relationship with him, you spend less than 1% of your time knowing him. If you pray or read your Bible for five minutes each day, five minutes, and that's the extent of your relationship with him, that equals .0003% of your time for that day. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. That is not a bad thing. God's word does not return void. There is a blessing for every second you spend with Jesus. But what I am saying is that there's an opportunity to know more of him. And if we can know more of him, more of the God who gives us these words and who speaks to us, wouldn't it be crazy not to want more of him? To want more of the blessing? So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, most of you know me from leading worship on stage here. Anybody been to Immerse? Right? We love Immerse, right? You see me there, and, you, and a lot of times the Holy Spirit comes over me, and there's like, like this morning, there's this unction of the Holy Spirit, and you see the serious side of me. But if you only see me at Immerse or on Sunday mornings, I'm telling you, you're missing out that I'm a funny guy. Okay, I'm really funny. A couple of you laugh. Paul's like, eh, maybe. I love to laugh, guys. I love it. I love dad jokes. In fact, it was a fight in me. I could just imagine Cadence, me asking her this morning if I could tell a dad joke. And just like, really? I don't have a dad joke, but I do have a, a few stories. I love laughing at really stupid, immature things during staff meetings. Just ask Pastor Jordan. I very, very... uh frequently wreck our staff meetings by laughing because something strikes me as funny and I can't stop. So I'm just getting to, I hopefully you guys are okay with this. I'm going to take, I'm going to tell some funny stories to help you know me a little better, right? So Michelle, is Michelle in here? I got permission for this. I think she's in, out in kids ministry. So Michelle Poland, right? Everybody know Michelle? She, she works, she's a physical therapist in Middlefield. She works at a place called Living Well, and I have a lot of neck and uh, shoulder issues because if you haven't noticed, I only have one eye. So when I look, I have to look sideways at things, and I have neck and shoulder issues. 
Well, I was getting my neck massaged by a good friend of mine who works there. He owns the company. His name is Jason. And she heard us laughing hysterically. And when I left, she went into Jason and she said, who in the world were you laughing that loud with? And he said, Will Collins. And she said, Will Collins laughs? Will laughs? He's like, yeah, he just constantly laughs. Right? Again, I'm just making it the point. She, did, she knew me from here, which is a very real part of me. She doesn't really know me. I'm cheesy. First time I met Pastor Mark. We all love Pastor Mark here, right? Pastor Mark is like a dad to me. The first, literal first time I was ever in this building, ever in this building. Some of you are laughing. You know this story. First time in this building, okay? And I'm a guy, I come to worship practice. Pastor Jordan has me as a guest worship leader. I'm in my, in my spirit kind of nervous and anxious and kind of wondering. I feel kind of like maybe this is where our church home's going to be, but I'm not sure. And we go into the yellow room to pray. And uh, Jordan introduced me to Pastor Mark. And the first thing Pastor Mark had ever said to me was, Will, you would make a really great pirate. <laughs> first thing I, he ever said to me. Um, and which Pastor Jordan was horrified. I thought it was great. I laughed. <laughs> Aubrey, is Aubrey in here? Where's Aubrey? Raise your hand, Aubrey. I see somebody pointing. Oh, you're over here. <gasps> you're not sitting with your family. Um, so Aubrey, when she was little, I, I used to wear a prosthetic eye, okay? Is it okay if I make fun of myself a little bit this morning? Okay. So I used to wear a prosthetic eye when I first had my surgery, and Cadence was little, and she was in a Christmas cantata in Middlefield, and it was at this beautiful old church. It's the old Methodist church, and it used to have these hardwood floors that kind of like the level went down. So if you're in the back, you're up higher, right? And there was hundreds of people. There was tons of people there. Maybe there was 200 people packed in this place. And Aubrey starts fussing. And I'm like, well, I'll take her to the back and, you know, kind of deal with her. And it got to this really intense, serious part of the cantata where everyone was quiet. And Aubrey is fussing and starts going like this. And she pops my glass eye out. And it goes, dink, 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 wobble, dink. And... Like, literally 200 people are like, and that thing costs a lot of money, so I can't leave it there. So I, of course, walk up, you know, and get my eye, and there's this lady, like, like I was like, and she's looking, I'm like, hi, how you doing? Uh, so we interrupted the Christmas cantata with that. And finally, my favorite eye story, which it is totally fine to make fun of my eye. I just want to let you know, I can laugh about it, Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of part of my testimony. And I can't wait for a new eye, which I'm believing for. But Cadence was four when I, got my, when I had my surgery and had my glass eye. And Cadence, who's over here, wave Cadence. Cadence is awesome. Cadence would not stay in her bed. She, when she was four, we'd go down, start a movie, do whatever. She would come downstairs. She'd sneak down. She would refuse to stay in bed. And I, I, I promise you, I tried everything. But she was kind of uncomfortable with my prosthetic eye. So what I did is, uh, this is the last straw, I promise. When I put her to bed, I, I took my eye out and I set it on her shelf. <laughs> and uh, I told her that I could see her if she got out of bed. And uh, she, she, she never, it never happened again. 
uh, the other day I asked her a couple months ago, I said, do you remember that? She's like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> okay, before I get serious, what, can I tell one more? This is hilarious. Ruth, are you still back there? So Ruth, Ruth's over at her house. So I'm, I'm 42, okay? So I, and I, I wear a contact, so I wear glasses. So in the evening I have glasses on. Well, I had to get bifocals, okay? So I have these, and my wife and everybody's making fun of me because my bifocals, they put like the bifocal on this side, on the left side. Like what, what's the point, right? Ha ha, it is hilarious. Okay, it's funny. And, and Ruth got all serious and she's like, well, well, maybe that's for when God provides you with your new eye. Well, amen, except I'm believing when I get my new eye, the vision's going to be awesome in it, and I'm not going to need bifocals. <laughs> yeah, I got you this new eye, but uh, the vision's horrible in it. <laughs> so these are funny, right? And as you get to know me, you'll know that humor and laughter are a major, major part of who I am. But aside from me telling you that and telling you these stories this morning, you would miss out on that aspect of who I am, right? You'd miss out on it. It's the same with God. If I don't truly get to know him, then my knowledge of him is only what other tells me, others tell me, not from personal experience. It would be really easy, you hear me, when we, talk, when we, when we see um, sometimes with the Amish or others, it would be really easy then to focus on rules, right? Instead of knowing an amazing father. In Exodus, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. Anybody hear that scripture before? It even says that's his name. We've all heard the scripture, but context is everything. I think it's incredible that these verses are the exact chapter where the Ten Commandments were given. So the exact moment that God is giving people rules to follow, which is to protect them, by the way, he's saying that the reason he's doing it isn't just to follow rules. He doesn't want them to have any idols, anything in between them and him. He wants to truly know them. He wants true relationship. That's you this morning. He wants to know you. He doesn't want you to just figure out how to follow some word that was prophesied over you. He wants you to go after him and know him. You're thinking, well, maybe that's just the Old Testament, right? No. Think of the rich young ruler. He followed all the rules. I'm going to read that story real quick. It's in Matthew 19. It says, Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do? To have eternal life. And he said to him, why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, means if you, if you want to be in the fullness of your call, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your mother and father, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, and he's thinking, yeah, I got this. All these I've kept. What do I still lack? Because he's asking, you know, that we have to, because the, the, he knew there was something else, right? Either he wanted an attaboy and like I'm doing it or he knew. So Jesus, who knew his heart, 
said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions and was wealthy. See, again, we can't get distracted from what this is about. It's not about the possessions or wealth. There are many, many examples of kings and wealthy people who followed the Lord in the Bible. Many. But what it is about is anything, literally anything, taking our fascination over Jesus. Anything. If anything does, no matter what it is, that has become an idol. The problem is when we do it out of duty. It feels boring and forced. When in reality, knowing Jesus is the most exciting thing that you're ever going to experience. Many of you know Pastor Justin. Justin Boyles from United Worship. He speaks at a mercy. He actually spoke at our spring conference here. He's also the discipleship pastor at Horizons. I'm taking his discipleship course with my daughter. And I love hearing this guy talk about the Holy Spirit. Man, I could just listen to him. That guy, seriously, he, it's a two-hour course. He talks for two hours without notes. I have no clue how he does it. And I don't get bored. Some of you are like, I'm bored after 20 minutes of you. <laughs> he always reminds us that the Holy Spirit is a person. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Because Jesus died on the cross and rose to heaven, we, you and me, have access to the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, then you know that's true. If you haven't, then you're going to have an opportunity in a little bit to invite him into your life and to have that amazing relationship with him. If we look at Jesus' life, he continually spent time with his father. I love that there's usually not some reason or there's not some, oh, boy, I better pray. He just goes to spend time with his prayer to pray, right? We see that a lot of times. Many times it's right in the middle of conflict or right before a time of trial, too. But it doesn't say he's praying. For, he just goes to spend time with his dad. When Justin, Pastor Justin, talks about spending time with the Holy Spirit, like he takes a drive in his car, he said he, he literally clears off his passenger seat <laughs> to make room for Christ. Because he needs that reminder I'm not talking to somebody far off. I am talking to a living person. I'm communing with the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus, right here with me right now. In ministry, people continuously ask me what my opinion is about what they should be doing. And usually, many times, it's because they've been given a word or they've heard from God, and they want to know what their response should be. And I'm just going to be really real with you today. A huge majority, like 75, 80% of people, I said, well, have you prayed about it? And I'll be like, well, not really. Are you insane? Jesus, the guy, the one, the God who gave you the word has the fulfillment of the word. It's insane not to, to ask him about it, to talk to him about it, to spend time with him. 
20% will probably say, will say that I've prayed about it a little bit, and of like 5% of people say they've really gone after God. These are Christians. These are people in ministry called to ministry. And I've done it too. Seriously, hear me on this. I can relate. I do this more than I like to admit. But seriously, we have the Holy Spirit inside us, literally the manifestation of Jesus himself sent to us to help us to be victors and jealous for our attention. And we constantly, I constantly ignore him. We need to realize the absolute stunning miracle it is that we have the Holy Spirit. Before the sacrifice of Jesus, there was one high priest. There was one who could be in the presence of God, one person. They tied ropes with bells to him in case he wasn't clean enough to be in God's presence, in case there was any sin, and he would die, and they would literally have to pull him out. There was sacrifice that had to be made. It was a disgusting, sick mess. It was a smelly mess outside the temple. It was part of life. God didn't inhabit people like he does today. The Holy Spirit would come on people like Moses or Gideon. You know the stories, but it was different. Now Jesus has come, and when Jesus was here on earth, he told his disciples that it would be better if he left when he was gone. Can you imagine that, being a disciple of Jesus and watch, watching him do miracles? The son of the living God, God himself as a person, doing miracles, never once sinning, having authority over everything. And he says, but for, for the fullness to come, for, me, for you to truly walk in the authority that you have, I have to go. You know how crazy that is? Seriously, think about it. You're, most of us are Christians in this room. We've been to church. Think about how crazy that is. Jesus himself is with you, and he says, I've got to go so that you can walk in victory. He had to go to fulfill prophecy and send the Holy Spirit to every single one of you, every one of you. He had to do it. Can you just close your eyes? Let's all close your eyes for a minute. Just take a minute to process this. I don't want to just skip past this. The all-consuming power of heaven within you. The knowledge of heaven within you all wrapped up in the fact that he wants us to have that. That Jesus died so that you could have that. He wants to truly know you. It is only humans that have that relationship, church. You guys hear me on this? It's only you that gets to have this relationship. There is nothing else created that gets to have this relationship with him. 1 Peter 1.12 said, it says that even angels long to know the Holy Spirit like we get to. If some other animal, like a, I don't know, a monkey or something like that, would try to house the Holy Spirit, they'd literally explode. Because they were not created to house the power of the Holy Spirit. It's too much. You were created to be a temple of the living God. Hopefully this reality is either setting in or has become more real to you this morning. If we have access to this power, and the access to that power comes by responding, being a doer, not just a hearer, then it would be absolutely crazy to not go for it. 
I know the Holy Spirit's moving. I can feel it. And so now is the time for us to be doers, not just hearers. To not just believe, but to respond to what he's saying, right? So many of us have been in church our whole life. We know the voice of God and we pray. We've been given a word and want badly to please Jesus. So I want to challenge you today that unless you've been giving him the first fruit of your time to truly commune with God and know him, that you have had access to a full faucet and you've only been using a few drips. It's like being shackled in prison. And when Jesus comes and sets you free, you just worship him inside the prison instead of checking the door. Church, the door is unlocked. He didn't just set you free so you could worship him in a prison. He set me free so that I could go out and be a victor in his name. Amen? Does anybody here watch Netflix or Hulu or any of those? Anybody? I'm the only one who watched TV shows on here. Anybody watch? Yeah. So we're watching the show 24 right now, our family. It is intense, okay? Uh, when it's over, it's usually this, anybody else struggle with this? The fight is, do we go to bed? Probably should, but man, I want to watch another show. And I don't know, you guys, I personally feel like I'm Jack Bauer when I'm watching the show. Like, I'm, I'm what's that noise out there? I better check out, uh, get, you know, get, uh, get ready for what's going on, and I get more, you know, you feel like you're living it, right? Because I know the show. Anybody follow sports here? Anybody watch the show, the, the games last night? Anybody watch the tournament? Our family, we have a basketball tournament challenge, uh, which my son Andrew <laughs> beat us all in this year. So he gets to, to pick a movie for a family movie night and uh, have the dinner of his choice cooked for him, which he beat me. I, I don't think I've ever won. Tab usually wins. It's ridiculous. She, she literally goes and picks, like, the colors and, like, looks up their mascots and who would win in a fight. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. When the game comes on, she's on Google. She's like, oh, this is the, the Gophers versus the, you know, like, what? I love watching football and basketball. I love watching NASCAR. And by watching, I mean I love taking naps while it's on. <laughs> Anybody here like to watch soccer? Yeah, you're weird. Okay. If you're a Steelers fan, anybody Steelers fans in here? Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, Brandon. You probably know almost all the players' names. You know the coach, and the team feels almost like it's part of your life because you've invested part of yourself, your time and your emotions into that team. As a result, you know them. If you're into NASCAR, are Dennis and Stephanie here today? Well, we're going to have to make sure they watch this, okay, because... They're really into NASCAR, and Kyle Larson is their driver. And when you talk to them, it's like he's part of the family. You're talking to somebody who's part of the family. My daughter has come home from their house, and she talks about Kyle Larson, and she talks about the Steelers, and we're Browns fans. So I, I you know, it's awesome, but I had to explain to my daughter that you cannot follow Jesus and be a Steelers fan at the same time. <laughs> the Lord says we must repent of our sins. It's the same with politics. If you spend your time obsessing with politics, then that's what oozes out of you, right? If we obsess about the election, I feel the Holy Spirit on that one. <laughs> then Jesus gets robbed of his time. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. None of these are bad. 
It's just that if these things overshadow the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life, then we have a problem. And that usually happens with me when I give more of myself, my spirit man, to those things than to Jesus. So I think we all get the point, right? Why does it seem like spending time in prayer is boring? I feel that a perspective change is needed. We as Christians need to look at the Bible as alive and the Holy Spirit as a living person. King David is still remembered as the one with a heart for God, but yet he messed up horribly, constantly. I personally think that he had a revelation of who God was and spent time unashamed in his presence that no one else in his generation was willing to do. In the New Testament, when John says that he's the one that Jesus loved, my personal belief, this is my personal belief, is that he had a life-altering revelation of the love of Jesus while Jesus was alive that no one else could comprehend. The disciples were obsessed. The other disciples were obsessed with their place and their significance, right? And John just loved Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus himself with us. The Bible is the living word of God. Prayer is not boring. One of my worship leader friends, Chris Burns, has this quote. It's going to be up on this slide. Many are the fans of Jesus on Sunday mornings. Few are the followers of Jesus at prayer. Captivate me, God. Or this one by Ian e. Bounds. Prayer should not be regarded as a duty, which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. The best way that I know to truly make knowing Jesus a priority is to give him the first fruit of my time. We're familiar with this principle of tithing. We already did that, right? But tithing isn't the leftovers. You understand that, right? Tithing is the first, the best 10% of your income. God gets our best. We should be doing that with our lives and our time. Does Jesus get the first fruit of your time? Just ask yourself, just search your heart right now. Does he get your first fruit of your money, of your passion, your devotion, your laughter, your mourning, your tears? I'm telling you today that if we change our perspective after hearing a word or seeking a word from wondering what it looks like to obey to simply seeking Jesus and giving him our first fruit by knowing him, that the words will start to come to pass before you have a chance to figure it out. Because I want to tell you today, the one who gave the word, he already has it figured out. To not pursue him would be like listening to half a sentence. It doesn't make sense. The cultural problem that we have in America today is an obvious one. It's time. So I want to give you an invitation and then a challenge today, okay? We've got about 10 minutes left, and I'm asking you, I'm just going to let you know, after the altar time, I'm going to have a challenge for all of us together. So don't, just let's let him move. So at this time, I'm going to ask the altar team, to, to move over to the sides. 
And before we, as they're going, before we have this time of corporate ministry where you're going to have an opportunity to, to ask the Lord for a word, I want to reach out and I want to make sure today that we all know Jesus as our Savior first. Okay? So before you worry about the ministry teams, before we do any sort of other response, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to make sure that you're in the right place with God. Because if you don't have, have you, if you have not accepted him as your savior, if you have not believed that he is the son of the living God who was sent to die for you, that he died on a cross and rose again for you, if you don't have that belief inside of you, don't go forward with this other stuff. You need to know him first. You need to believe that he's the son of God first before we go to the next point. So can we all just close our eyes today? Just close your eyes. If there's anybody here that you, this has struck you that, man, I don't know Jesus, or maybe you've gone to church and you've fallen away from him and you need to rededicate your life to him. If We're going we're gonna to focus on our salvation right now. Before we, before we do the, the, the walking in victory and responding to words from him, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are heaven-bound today. That if you would die on the way home from church, that you would be in heaven 100%. If you don't know that, and you want to rededicate your life to him, if you want to accept him as your Savior, in, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But I want to tell you, you don't have to come up here. You don't have to go over to the sides. This is between you and God, and we're just going to pray together. So... With all your eyes closed, just so I can know that we can pray together, would you just raise up your hand if you need to rededicate your life to him, if you give your life to him? Just give me a wave so I can see you. I'm just going to give this another minute. If you feel separated from God, just get, shoot me a wave right now. Just going to give it one more second. Yep, we have at least one. We have at least one. And there might be more online. Just want to give it another minute. If you want to know Jesus as your Savior personally, just give me a wave. Amen. Well, let's, let's, let's pray this together, okay? And again, just repeat after me, but this isn't just me saying the words. This is you talking to Jesus, the living God who died for you. So, dear Jesus, we can all do this together, church. I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've fallen short. But today, I believe that you are the Son of God. And that you died for me. I believe you rose again. And that you're the savior of the world. I invite you into my life. To make me new. And to live inside me. Amen. God is so good, church. 
He's so good. So now part two. Now that all of us are in the same place, we all know Jesus. And I want to encourage you too, if you weren't quite in that place where you're ready, talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you and just get to know you. I'm asking the entire church today to spend a few minutes as this song plays, posturing ourselves to hear from God. To get a word that we can respond to this week. And I'm going to have a challenge for you for that. But I don't know about you, I'm still desperate for a word from the Lord every single day of my life. So you have multiple options. You can come to the altar here. You can stay where you're at in your seat. Or this amazing family surrounding you as the altar team would love to pray with you. So let's be in a position of hearing him today. Amen? Just for the next four or five minutes, the altars are open and the ministry time is open. Jesus, we worship you. for a word and you don't know how to do just remember these guys are on the sides they'd love to pray with you they'd love to Ask him, say, Jesus, speak to me. Tell him, say, speak to me, God, I'm listening. stop. Don't stop. Don't stop where you would usually stop. Ask him. Seek him. Seek him. Talk to him. 
Come on. God speaking to you today? Is God speaking to you? Courtney, you've had a lot of words spoken over you, bro, and I know that you're a man of excellence who wants to fulfill those words over your life. Just go after him. Don't try to figure it out. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. Anybody here from the Lord? Just, just maybe... If you got like a Bible verse or something that you've got a little bit of direction, can you just wave your hand if you feel like God spoke to you this morning? Elijah's like, it's awesome when God speaks. Anybody else? God encourage you this morning with something to go after? Amen. So I know many of you. I really felt this morning when I walked in that there were many people who were really struggling with a lot of burdens, that you were really feeling weighed down, and it's not just today, but it's been weighing on you for a long time, just like a malaise. The Lord wants to uh, set you free in that area. He wants you to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Amen. So, again, if that's you, we don't want to just skip to the next part, right? We're almost done. But after we close, if that's you, if you're like, man, I can't even get to the point where I hear from Jesus because of the hurt and because of the burdens and because of the struggles, these guys are here to pray with you and I am too. We're a family. If you hurt, we hurt. And Jesus knows your hurt. And maybe that's what he's saying this morning. It's like, man, I want to be able to hear from him. I want to go do these things, but I'm, I'm not even in that place yet. So I feel like Holy Spirit is, is pointing something out to me that is a struggle for a lot of people this morning. And it's control. I just keep hearing this phrase in my head, but I don't want to give up control. I don't want to lose control. I don't want to be out of control. <laughs> that, that when you fully turn over your agenda to the Lord's agenda, there's a fear that you somehow lose control. 
and and I I can speak from personal experience to this. <laughs> you don't really have control. You don't have any control over your life. You just think you do. And God has such a better plan when you just lay down your own agenda. His ways are always higher. His ways are always better. And he thinks so far out of the box than you can. And so so many times I feel like, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's just cautioning us. You know, if we're going to really say, God, I want to hear from you. And I want to pursue whatever you tell me. We have to really be abandoned to whatever it is he tells us. And that means we have to give up our own control or our idea of control. And control is pride because it means we think we can do it better. And it's also not trusting him because pride means we don't trust him to do a better job than us. And I know that's not an easy word to hear, but if you think that you have a better idea than God and that you need to be in charge, that's pride and that's not trust. And he loves you so much that he just woos you with affection instead of bringing a hammer down and says, I love you. I don't care if you're being prideful. I want to woo you to a place where you trust me because you love me. And I'm not going to shame you. And I'm not going to discipline you. I just want you to trust me because I only have good for you. So give up all that, that idea that you think you have control because you really don't. It's a scary thing to do. But once you do it, I've always found out his plan is always so much better than I ever think my own plan is. So I just want to encourage you with that. Be brave. Be bold. Trust him. So to summarize all of that, what God's saying today, what's he asking you to do? I'll tell you what he's asking me to do. Some of you might have seen the video I posted online. And God told me this week to give a first fruit of a tithe of my time to him in prayer here at this church. You know what a tithe of 24 hours is? It's two and a half hours every single day. That doesn't sound like an exciting word, right? It's exciting because I'm not going to do my normal meetings and my normal things. I heard God tell me to do that. So I'm going to be here 6.30 to 9 p.m. every single night this week. And you're invited to join me or not join me. But I'm asking you to obey and to go after, to do what Donna just said, to, to truly surrender to him, to truly walk in obedience to him and go after him as a loving God this week. He might ask you to spend time before work in the car or do a social media fast. Whatever he says, just go for him. Go after God. I want to see you walk in the destiny that God has for your life. I want to see you walk in victory. I want to see those generational curses come crashing down and those addictions and those walls. We serve the living God.
He speaks to us and gives us things to do, yeah, but it's, let's not stress over in the sense of what if I get it wrong or what if I didn't hear him. He wants a relationship with you. Other things can take the place of Jesus if we're not intentional. And lastly, John 17, 3 and John 15 tells us that abiding in Christ, truly knowing him, is the greatest joy that you can ever experience as a person. Don't you want that? He'll never ask you to not be with him, ever. Can we just close in prayer? Jesus, I speak blessing. I speak the name of Jesus over this amazing family that I get to be a part of, that we get to do this life serving you together. And God, we are a people that have heard from you, have heard your voice, and we long to please you. But God, let us not be distracted by all the rules. that living for you would just ooze out of us because we know you so well. You are our king, our savior, our holy God who knows it all. You're the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. We worship you, Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. Be blessed this church, this week, church. And again, the altar team is still